Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Stupendous, Justin. How about yourself? I think this uh, the level of my dedication to this podcast knows no bounds, Kirby. There's about a thousand other things I should be doing right now. <laughs> wow. We all appreciate it, Justin, and all of our I'm sure, I'm sure there's, listeners. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's much appreciated by all. That's what keeps me going. Well, Kerba, let's uh, let's dive in, shall we, to all things IndyCar? Let's do it. I was in Portland over the weekend and went to the race. Talk about dedication. Yeah, but before we get to that, I need to discuss something else that happened over the weekend, and that <laughs> is your worst nightmare. How do we start off every IndyCar podcast talking about Formula One? Well, I don't know. It's funny how that is. But it's not only your worst nightmare, but in a way, kind of, I'm right there with you, uh, maybe for slightly different reasons. Right. Because, uh, again, a clash between Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, again, it's going to be two or three weeks of analysis of this thing. Again, it's going to be back between Toto Wolff and Christian Horner about who's the bigger, you know, violator. And then to the the cherry on the top curb is your buddy Danny Ricks wins the race. I think that uh, to bring up all that other news, the the Verstappen uh, Hamilton clash um, really is a, a unnecessary distraction from the quality of of Daniel's win. I mean, I I saw a headline. I I don't read the articles, but I saw a headline where. Uh, they knew on Friday they could win this race at Monza, and uh, <laughs> right. so yeah. apparently, yeah, they did. you know, it was in the cards, regardless of what uh, those other two hotheads did to each other. It does strike a little bit of like every time a guy gets knocked out of a race early, he says, "I think we had a car that could win." <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Graham, Graham Rahal. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Pick one. Right. <laughs> they all say it. The the whole Verstappen Hamilton thing. I mean, it's good. Verstappen bothered to look and see if Lewis was okay, and Lewis says, "Boy, it's kind of strange, you know. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't you know come over and see if I was all right." Verstappen was like, "Man, the guy was trying to reverse out and get back on the track. I knew he was okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. uh, well, obviously, every time they get asked these questions, they're taking full advantage to tweak the other one or try to get it in their head or whatever they're trying to do to each other. What would, what would be funny is that behind the scenes they're just laughing it up with each other and then they're playing the press for fools. But that would be funny, but I don't think that's actually what's happening. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. And I gotta say it, Curb. Uh, you know, the halo saved a life, right? Yeah, that's been confirmed by Hamilton, Total Wolf, and others. Somebody was concerned that the halo wasn't good enough. I guess the tire got inside the opening of the halo or something like that and the flip side is if you uh do something that would prevent a tire from falling in the top of that hole then then the next Romain Grosjean isn't going to get out of his cockpit right why don't we just get it all over with and start racing LMH cars around the place that's where it's headed Mm. Uh, moving on to to Portland I I have to say you know since we're doing this on a Monday evening I have not had a chance to review the uh, the the race coverage on uh, NBC, so I have not seen that there. 
and I was listening to on the scanner. I was listening to the uh, IndyCar Motorsports Network or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, IMS Motorsports Network. Like and I did that on purpose because I was like, uh, there's no sense in listening to the television broadcast if I'm going to go home and watch it. So I Mark thought James be, and company. Yeah, I thought it'd be good, and they do a good job, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a, a little shout out. Uh, I think they do a good job. And so there's there's probably a, a fair amount of things that you're in some ways more informed than I am, right? Because I'm only looking at a certain section of the cha- track, and I was right there. I was right there at turn one. Your your thoughts, anything sticking out there for you that uh, you think's worthy of note? Some decent racing. Um, you know, long stretches over is a little bit static, and uh, you're kind of thankful to get a a stalled car here and there to shake things up or to get some restarts going. How was it there on site? Well, it's interesting. Um, I got a few thoughts. I mean, one is the overall atmosphere. Now, I don't know how the crowd looked on television. Um, it looked I, – I don't have anything – I don't have a baseline to compare it to. This is my first Portland race. crowd looked decent from the ground level, okay? Right. Um, but having said that, it, it was a very, very – the most relaxed atmosphere of any IndyCar race I've been to, right? It was it was not a burden at all to get into the facility. It was not a burden at all to get around the facility. It was not a burden to get to my seats. It was just easy and laid back. Almost had a – this is kind of hard to relate to, Kerb, but maybe you can. Kind of like a state fair type of feel to it. <laughs> right. You know, where you were going – not so much that there were rides or anything like that, but you were kind of like going and walking and you just kind of walk up into the stands and watch the Joey Chitwood stunt show. If that makes any sense to you. I don't know if you can relate to that, but uh, I know you've been to a couple Indiana State Fairs, so maybe you can. You know, I, I think we exchanged some text messages yesterday and and I initially responded uh, with the comp to Mid-Ohio. But uh, after I thought about it more, um, you, know, you talked about a bus getting you around the track and that kind of thing. Um Compared well to uh, to Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, we talked about that early in the season. Mid Ohio is is always fun for me because it is, you know, kind of a low key, easy way to get in. I mean, the traffic getting out can be bad getting out of the parking lot, but but beyond that, um, again, easy to move around, uh, a very walkable facility. Similar to you, I watch the start usually there at the at that first turn where there's uh, mayhem sometimes at the start of a Mid Ohio race. And then I'll go walk around and watch it from different vantage points. Similar vibe out there in Portland. Yeah, it's all that. It's a sh- relatively shortish track, too. It's, it's not huge, you know. Um, mm-hmm. All in all, uh, thumbs up. And it's an interesting place to go see a race. I don't know if it's like something, you know, I can't, I feel a need to go to every year. You know, it was a good one day for me. You know, I flew in Saturday night, flew out Sunday afternoon. It's 15 minutes from the airport, uh, which was also nice. The other views that I would, uh, getting to the racing a little bit, Curb, when you're watching these things live, sometimes you pick up on things that you, you never pick up on TV. Like, uh, for example, if certain drivers seem to be doing well or, you know, are racy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so they're, they're not in the camera shot, but you're seeing them make passes on. And two guys stuck out to me uh, that probably, I don't know, maybe Bourdais got some, uh, some time on the television broadcast. Uh, he looked very racy. He got time on TV because he turned uh, Eskew and caused a yellow. And VK throughout the race looked racy. You know, he was like really uh, challenging people and doing that. And then, you know, there's certain other uh, uh, drivers who just just didn't seem to be kind of doing anything at all. Will Power comes to mind. And Simon Pagino also comes to mind, to be honest. 
They certainly look that way on TV. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So interesting that way. I mean, Will Power obviously had some damage from uh, the beginning, so he was he's probably to be excused. The last thing I'm going to say about it is it, you were asking me, well, what was it like that first lap? And I got to tell you, it kind of went by so quickly, it, the mind couldn't process what was going on, right? Sure. And so I really, I don't have anything to say about that first lap. I still don't know what the root cause of it was and all that. And I, that's one of the things I do want to go back on t- the television and see kind of like how that all started. Yeah, and, most, of, most of the blame for the initial upfront was on Rosenquist uh, for coming in too hot and bumping bumping uh dixon on his way through and then the other culprit back in the pack was uh Grosjean, who uh i was just reading had a novel a novel uh explanation for his 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 mistake his f up as he called it. He, he took all the blame but he said he as he's driving in there and he sees the uh 300 foot to go sign he said in his mind it was 300 meters and he thought he had plenty of room <laughs> so uh his you know, a lot of smoke, a lot of uh, low visibility. Well, 300 meters, I got plenty of room to go and and didn't bother to slow down. So. It doesn't exactly make you want to hop in the minivan with uh, Roman driving, does it? <laughs> no, or the, the RV going down the coast this weekend, this week, apparently. <laughs> His wife's going to be white knuckling it. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. That is uh, that is quite a thing. But uh, whatever the case poor, may be. Poor Hinchcliffe, poor Hinchcliffe got taken out by the Grosjean missile. Yeah, maybe put him out of his misery. Maybe it's been suggested before that they just let him go straight on the opening part of the race and skip the chicane the first lap uh, to give him a chance to stretch out and and avoid that kind of mayhem. Do you get any sense for that there on site? My gut would be be even that would be less interesting. And. I didn't really look at the track in that way, but I'm not even sure from a grandstand standpoint that makes sense. I tried to yeah. look when they did an overhead shot on TV, and it looked like another good half a mile or so down to that next turn. And yeah, it's it's a fair it's a fair bit. I don't think it's a half mile, but it's a fair bit. Um, what you do is kind of move the problem a little further, and that chicane actually provides a passing opportunity, not so much into the first turn itself, but uh, when you're coming out and you're you do a quick right and then a quick left and coming out on that quick left it enables you to get aside you know beside somebody at, at points and i saw a bit of that going on if somebody kind of screwed up the the quick right to the quick left and um it gave people a kind of a passing uh a passing area there well i don't I, i've only heard it suggested just for the opening lap not for, not for oh. the rest of the race yeah that that's that's a little nascar rinky dink to me kind of hate that i normally would like to think that way but uh that the start of that race is turning into a bit of a joke <laughs> okay well here's the hard truth curb three they've got three grandstands on um on one side of the track and they've got another big grandstand on the other side of the track all around that chicane the right. people have bought tickets there and they were all full they because i know because i tried to buy tickets there and i i got two that were separate from each other that's the only way i could get seats at all to see that first first lap first turn right i don't think it's going anywhere i think you know that's just part of the show well they got a pretty decent crowd but the further away you got from that spot the more sparse the crowd the the sure the grandstands yeah. were so, yeah so um, i don't think it's i don't think it's going anywhere honestly that's there to stay um 
I will say, and you did bring it up. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a track that you have to buy a, a grandstand seat for, unless you're interested in watching what's going on in the pits. In that case, you you would. How, how did uh, how did Jimmy Johnson make his presence felt uh, during the race? I saw him let people go around him. Power power comes to mind. I I, I think he's still. I think he's out there. Just learning the trade. I mean, I really do. I think he's still in that mode. I don't think he cares where he places at this point, you know, to a degree. I think he's just out there trying to learn the trade and get laps. And maybe he's focused on, uh, I mean, to be generous, I'd say maybe he's focused on next year, you know, just just trying to learn the trade and uh, he's going to get after it in earnest next year. I sure. mean, that's, the, that's the impression I had. You know, early on, it was kind of a joke uh, how many yellow flags he was bringing out the first half of the season, but... If you think about it, he's been pretty clean the second half of the season. Um, so I think he's he's making steps. A big article today from Jenna Fryer in the AP about how uh, much Jimmy Johnson is helping uh, coach Alex Pillow uh, in his fight for the championship based on his championship experience. Making a contribution to the team, uh, even if it's not uh, in his own car. Sounds like Jenna Fryer's running out of things to write. Well, you know, Alex Pillow was very complimentary. Of Jimmy Johnson. Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> Fake news. Okay. Um, the other rumor coming out of Portland Curb was uh, Sebastian Bourdais is done at the end of the year and going to sports cars. With this uh, new um, rules package in 2023, it's a good time to be a sports car driver, right? Uh, I think it could be, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's going to be some pretty big factory programs uh you know, if he can get on one of those, he is building a new house, I noted. Maybe he's already on one of those. Um, right. What's interesting, though, is next year, would he be uh, developing a car for 23, or would he be racing and developing cars next year? Don't know. I don't think we're going to hear anything uh, anytime soon, at least until the IndyCar season's over. It will be sad for me um, if uh, if that's the case, I, I really wanted to see kind of Sebastian going to go out in a blaze of glory, and I don't think it's going to happen. It certainly won't happen while he's at Foyt. Uh, I still think he's one of the better drivers out there. Um, perhaps he's getting a bit long in the tooth at this point, um, but I still think he's one of the best drivers out there. And uh, it's kind of a shame if you follow his career. Um ever when he left IndyCar to go to Formula One, which, you know, fair enough, that's what a, a driver should do, in my opinion, if they get the opportunity to do so. Um, Especially from his background. Sure. And I think he kind of got a bit of a raw deal at, uh, at uh, Toroso when he went there um, in favor of uh, Vettel. It's just never been the same since. You know, he's never been able to get a decent ride since. I think he had a few opportunities with Ganassi, which he couldn't execute on because of timing of contracts and so forth and uh and then he was kind of unceremoniously dumped by um dale coin at, at a kind of a bad time and anyways i mean i look i'm not gonna cry too many tears for sebastian but at the end of the day um it could have been more i think is what i uh, i guess i'm getting at curb I, I think he's that good a driver where it could have been more and uh if this does turn out to be the end of it uh there's a, there's a bit of sadness in that for me. Well, uh, I you know I agree with everything you're saying. Um, the bitter cart partisan that I am, I, I'm disappointed whenever those guys uh, that drove in the cart series leave the stage. Bourdais and um, 
willpower re- really represent the only two left. Pagano had a cup of coffee there, but uh, and I've really enjoyed having Borde back in the series the last you know what ten years or so. As you say, timing was never really his friend in the last ten years. He sure lifted the uh, fortunes of uh, Dale Coyne and, and Vassar's team. Maybe I think yeah, there somewhere at some one. point yeah, with KD. some wins. Yeah, um, um, those were fun wins to celebrate for him. The real disappointment, though, was that that wreck in qualifying at Indy that year when he apparently had a rocket ship for a for an old yeah, car. Agreed. Curb, I do have an idea though. Yes. This might be a stroke of brilliance. Brace yourself. Yes. Sebastian Bourdais, Paul Tracy, Ray Everham, Tony Stewart, SRX. <laughs> Give uh give Seb the opportunity to run into Paul Tracy. Fantastic, <laughs> right? How right. good would it be? It'd be the best. Just throw and, uh just throw Alex Tagliani in there for good measure, and you could really have a good time. Oh yeah, exactly. Get all three of those guys on the track together, just beating each other's brains out senselessly. <laughs> well, uh, beef up those cars a little bit, and that could really be a fun show. I mean, replays of Denver. Um, <laughs> if Tagliani's San uh, San Jose, you know, and replays of that during the race, bring them out. You know, if Tracy's in handcuffs, Bourdais shipping, uh, sipping a uh, espresso or something like that. Some champagne, champagne, that. yeah, <laughs> for the race. Wow, that could that could be fun. Uh, my, mind my, blown, Curb, mind blown. My, my pay for the pool at Bourdais' new house. It's, that's entertainment gold. You uh, ought to call Ray Abraham or Tony Stewart right now. I think I will be sending someone a tweet soon with that brilliant idea. Curb, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Meyer Shank's apparent choice of drivers going into next year. And do you have the sinking feeling like I do that maybe they've made a mistake here? Can't help but cross your mind, right? Um, I mean, you got two guys. I mean, one's very old by racing standards, right? The other's not quite as old, but you know, you certainly can't say he's in the best form you've seen him in. And I, I just don't know if that's the two drivers I want to pick for a, a racing team that's trying to make its way to the top tier. On the one hand, they ought to be really good at Indy, uh, right? I mean, they ought to. Uh, first and third this year, um, Pagano in the out-of-favor Chevy package. Uh, all things being equal, uh, as they have been the last couple of years, Pagano, the Honda at Indy, ought to be pretty tough. Leo, obviously, defending champion, so you got your bases covered there. Um, the rest of the series, I don't know what Pagano you're going to get, right? I mean, he has his moments of uh, brilliance. It's hard to believe it was, it was 17, wasn't it, the last time he won the championship? 19, I guess. When he had a, a magical May, and uh, and aside from that magical May, it's been pretty tough sledding since 2017. Will Power, Will Power, his teammates, his teammates not respecting him on the track anymore. You talk about guys getting kicked to the curb pretty frequently by his teammates, right there. God, I think he turned the tables on Power yesterday. I think that was more unpassionate than it was on Power, but um, you know, this year he uh, he's living off those uh, Indy 500 third place points. Um, but with each passing week, he sinks further and further down the standings again. And, uh, it's almost Hinchcliffian in, uh, in its uh, proportion to how disappointing his season has been. 
it's feeling a bit like a mistake to me, Curb. I, I, I look. I've underestimated Elio Castroneves for years now, so I really am reticent to do that. But it's funny how sometimes you just get backed into a situation, and there you are. But I hope at the end of uh, next season, they're not like, "What the hell? Did, what the hell were we thinking?" There's no slam dunks out there, are there? Runner Ryan Hunter Ray is no more. Um, you, you could be no more optimistic about Hunter Ray than you would be about Pagano. No, um, I mean. And then the but, rest of it, the rest of it is young guys. Yeah, and, and I, I guess what I'd like to see is like one of each, right? You know, one older guy and one younger guy. I mean, like a, you know, Kyle Kirkwood is, you know, just to put put, put a name in there. Um, right. It's the age old thing that Pagano uh, probably gets your sponsors more jazzed up than hey, this guy you never heard of, but I promise you, he's really good. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's all of that. I just, and we'll see. Well, I, 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 the thought crossed my mind yesterday watching um, Pagano back there uh, behind Jimmy Johnson coming down the front stretch on those last few laps, and, uh, and you're like, boy, that's just that's that's the exciting hire for for uh, Meyer Shank, but exactly. it seems to be a done deal, or it's rumored to be a done deal. Curb, I need to wrap it up here. Uh, let's let's go to picks. I believe I am first. You are first. Okay. Um, Safe choice, not necessarily the guy who I'm picking to win the race, uh, but a safe choice, uh, Joseph Newgarden. Uh, Well, equally safe choice is Alex Bilal. Okay. That's interesting. I did not expect you to go there. (sighs) Okay. Well, that's left me with a small dilemma. Okay, this is strate- this is more strategic than anything else. I'm choosing Scott Dixon, and I'll elaborate on the strategy side of this uh, after we finish picking. Share your brilliance. I'm gonna go with the guy I assumed I was not going to be able to get after picking Plow the first time. I'm gonna take Colton Herta, defending champion at Laguna Seca. Okay, now I can talk about my strategy, which was I was assuming you would take Will Power. And therefore, my choice of Colton Herta for my final. So I foiled your strategy. You did. You did with that pick. I, I Colton, I mean, I don't feel terrible about that because you can't say the guy's been all that consistent. No, you can't. I'm just going off a track. He's done well it before and see if he can do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-aero screen track, though. You got me there. You backed me into it, man. I'm... I'm uh, Going Willie P. I'll be rooting for him, but he's all yours. Um, <laughs> Knows the track. Second place last uh, last time around. Right team. Quick qualifier, which will be important because that place is nearly impossible to pass. I'm just going to go all in on the theory that uh, I've had for a while there, and it doesn't usually seem to pay off for me. But if Hurt is good, Ross will be good. So I'm going to go with Hurt and Rossi. Yeah, leaving uh, Pato unloved. But um, – yeah, I, I, it had to be between Pato and Rossi in your mind there, I would assume. Uh, Actually, Pato didn't even enter my mind. If you want to <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. But, I mean, Rossi uh, coming off uh, best race of the year, I guess, in uh, Portland. Um, and, and, and by the way, I would put him as one of the guys that I failed to mention was looking very racy. Uh, he was actually a guy that kind of sh- stood out as like had something. All right, Curb, that's it. 
I don't care if you have anything super enlightening to say. It's got to end now. Oh, I can't. I gotta. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever, uh, um, you know, been embarrassed for celebrities when their loved ones get on Twitter or get interviewed in the press and and uh, and pop off when they're upset about things? Um, you are not talking about um, Britney, are you? Britney Spears? I'm not. No, sorry. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, um, I've, you know, not that either one of us is in danger of being a celebrity anytime soon, but uh, I always thought, boy, if I was ever in that position, I would just forbid my wife or my parents from having a Twitter account because I just wouldn't want to deal with their uh, emotions uh, being put out there. And yesterday, uh, turn one fracas, um, Emma Davies Dixon posts on Twitter, shame in all capital letters on you, IndyCar. Shame on you, race control. We see it. We saw it at the 500. We get hit again, and you punish Scott. Um, so that was interesting, and I can understand, I guess. What is she talking about? I can understand frustration yesterday, not understanding why he got sent to the back, um, because it took a detailed explanation on the uh, NBC broadcast to explain why um, those top drivers who all they did was try to avoid an accident caused by somebody coming up from behind like Rosenquist, but, um, but they ended up, you know, being put back to the back and benefited them in the long run, of course. But, um, but at the time it's, if you've read any of the articles, they were all upset by it, Mm. but I, I failed to see what they did to Scott at the 500 that that was their fault. Um, that was so inexplicable. Well, he didn't win. Well, he, he stayed out, and when everybody else pitted, he stayed out. So when a yellow came out, he got screwed, him and Rossi, and they ran out of gas, and then they stalled because they'd run out of gas and ended up a lap down, and, and his race was over. One one pissed up into the 500. But uh, but to, to, conflate the, to, to conflate the two is uh, the uh, epitome of uh, emotionalism getting the, the better of you. Fair enough. All right, okay. on that, we have to leave, Curb. I'm serious this time. Got to go. We have to. We have to. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good week.